Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everyone, and welcome to Come for Supper. I'm Alexandra Dudley, food writer, cook, and serial dinner party host. So I thought it'd be fun to sit down with people who share that love for food, chat about life, and learn a little bit more about how they like to serve supper. I speak to chefs, restaurateurs, artists, actors, authors, and pretty much anyone who likes to entertain. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you click subscribe. And if you enjoy it, rate it, review it, share it, and tell your friends, as it makes all the difference. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the studio, guys. My guest today is a photographer, visual storyteller, and writer. Originally from Norway, she now calls a small village in the English countryside home. Her cookbook, The Cottage Kitchen, is part recipe Bible, part storybook, and is peppered through with tales of her journey through words and beautiful imagery, all taken by herself. She hosts workshops on styling and photography and has written for publications from all over the world. She is the wonderful Marie Marta Forsbeck. Oh. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank oh. you for being here today. Where have you come from this morning? Do you know, I popped on the train from that little village you spoke <laughs> about and I had a cup of tea and whisked through the countryside and ended up here. So yeah. So nice that this is your first stop, first stop of the day. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. And I know that you're, you're location scouting today yes. for an exciting project. Yeah, I know. It's very, very fun. Completely on my own. And um, I love that, just walking around in London and yeah. finding the perfect spots to and, and coming up with some ideas for the shoot. So It's a yeah. nice time to do it as well at the moment with the kind of time oh, yeah. of the seasons. Oh, yeah. It's a good, good sort of warm autumn day today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Love those. So you grew up in Norway, but I know obviously somewhere along the way you fell in love with England so what was it that kind of led you to making that move and settling roots down here? Do you know I, it was it's such a random move but thinking back um, I know that I grew up on sort of all all things English I mean my father was a big fan of Dame Edna and, uh, <laughs> I love that I know it was just really random and um, the Darling Buds of May and we, we watched all of those and uh, uh, Agatha Christie and you know we watched a lot of well, I didn't watch a lot of telly growing up but if we did it was those sort of shows so but moving here was very random I, I didn't think about it at the time because that was sort of my childhood and then uh, one day after studies and work and having lived abroad from Norway uh, for quite a few quite a few years I just naively thought I could move back home to Norway and of course, you've changed when you've lived abroad mm. for many years and you come home and, and, and it's sort of, it's wonderful, but you've sort of kind of upgrown your shoe yeah, a bit. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, so that was me. Um, and then I was on a shoot in, in London and um, I just sort of for fun Googled houses for rent one night and 
Voila, there you go. The most charming little whitewashed thatched cottage was um, was on page twelve, and and I just completely fell in love. It's so. It really is like the holiday. Have you seen the yeah, holiday? Yes, that film? Yeah, it's yeah. like that. No, it absolutely is. And and twenty four hours later, I moved. So it was a wow. very quick sort of. I wasn't given any. Well, I didn't give myself any yeah. time to to ponder about it too much. I just I just felt that that was my home. And How so long ago was this? This is about six and a half years. ago. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So it's been so, a while. Cooking is obviously a big part of your life now, and I know that you share beautiful recipes and tales and your book, obviously your cookbook as well. Was it something you were always interested in? Do you know, no, I was rather... I remember back to thinking, I mean, I've always loved food, and I grew yeah, up yeah. in my mum's kitchen garden and, and in her beautiful kitchen in the countryside, and she was she's an excellent cook, and so it was always delicious food. But I was more of sort of the observer. I would sit on the kitchen mm-hmm. counter and crack the odd egg, but I would just observe my mother, you know, working her magic in the kitchen and just loving being close to her, uh, but mainly just watching her and then eat indulged greatly <laughs> afterwards, <laughs> greedily so. And it wasn't sort of until I, I think I moved to university mm-hmm. in America and at the end of that time I just sort of thought, oh God, you know, I miss my mom's cooking so much because I'd been a long time since I'd been home, whereas the previous years living abroad I'd gone home quite often. And I just, I just thought, oh, I'll have a go. And it was just um, a learning curve. <laughs> but then moving to England... It was like magic because all of a sudden I had the, like the local market up yeah. the street and it was just me with literally no friends, no agenda and no family and no job. So I had to keep busy. <laughs> and uh, when you have such great abundance on your doorstep, you just you get cooking. And mom sent a box of old pots and pans and... And I That's just so lovely. So you were cooking with the pans that your mum, yes. mum had used. That's yeah. so nice. Yeah, no, it was really quite, uh, quite sweet. She, she's like, I think you need these, Marie, and so she sent me all her copper pans. And oh my god, I would pans. love that. I know, <laughs> so great. It's, it was really quite, quite a treat. Yeah. You write um, with such a kind of beautifully nostalgic tone. Even I mean, even on your social media, every time you know, I really sit down when I read one of oh. your one of your posts because they really are beautiful. Do you do you have a kind of first or kind of very early memory of food or kind of cooking or something? Oh, first of all, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> uh, if I have an early memory, I mean, it's again, I just yeah, it's all about about being with my mum. I mean, I think you know. There's not necessarily, I mean, there's many dishes that I remember growing up that I was like, oh, these dishes hold, hold special places in my heart. But it was just that closeness with my mum in the kitchen, something, you know, bubbling on the stove and and her um, her recipes that she said, she just cooks from the heart. So she doesn't, yeah. she's written things down for me, but she just sort of cooks with what, what is. And, and I, I love that. I just loved yeah. watching her sort of just, what do we have today? Well, what, what do we have in the garden? What, do, you know? and you find something in the pantry it was never sort of um, a menu following and it wasn't new things every day like if we had chicken on a Monday we would have something with the chicken on a Tuesday because mm-hmm. she would be roasting it on a Monday and make the, the stock so um, but my the mom, right way to eat a chicken yeah right for sure. yeah, yeah definitely oh, oh there's so much good stuff in the, in the chicken in a roast chicken but I think the one thing that stands out is my mom's sour cream porridge and that's Ooh, something yum. I just mm, I go back savory to savory or sweet both okay yeah so it's got like that you know sort of um almost like sour 
tart sort of yogurt tea. You know, yeah, and then you have the sweet, and then the milk. Um, it's and then you have the cinnamon and sugar on top. Yum. So it's very sort of it's a little bit like hmm, I what is this? But it's so comf- it's just is comfort. It's just is that that like a classic Norwegian yes dish? Breakfast, dinner, dinner. Okay, yeah, I was going to say because here normally you know when I think of porridge, yeah. I think about breakfast. Although oh, yeah, absolutely. I think many of us have had porridge for dinner. Like, you know, it's, we've all been there. But okay, yeah. so it's a dinner thing. It's a dinner, yeah. Cool. And there's no, there's it's like silky smooth. There's no oats or anything like that. It's literally just sour cream, flour, and milk. Oh wow! And then you sprinkle sugar and cinnamon, and then you have to have a butter eye because oh. you've got to make rivers. Yeah, yeah, that. okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you've got to make rivers of butter. Yeah, you yeah. Do. Okay, that yeah. sounds good. I'm definitely on board. I'm definitely on board with that. That's so good. your very beautiful book, The Cottage Kitchen, came out Thank in you. 2017. Yeah, right? yeah. Gosh, so almost almost two years. two years. Yeah. yeah, wow. And it's split into four seasons, which I love, as well as a chapter for afternoon tea, which I think I love <laughs> even more. Um, had to had to be there. But the recipes are sort of, a, they seem like a marriage between kind of English ingredients and then dishes and things that perhaps are slightly further afield. Yes. And I know that you've traveled, you traveled a lot before you were here. So I wanted to ask, are the recipes in the book, are they inspired mainly by your kind of previous life in Norway or are they kind of inspired by kind of all over the world and all different travels? Yeah, you know, I think it's all rooted in my mother's kitchen, mm-hmm. definitely. But then because I started traveling at such a, such a young age with work and with studies and found myself sort of at 13 um, in or 15 in in um, in Switzerland, which I know you yeah, uh, like I love a lot Switzerland. as well. We do, I adore it. And then seventeen, it was Japan and Tokyo. Which and is, I mean, it's, to have been to Japan, I've never yeah. been to Japan. It's oh. somewhere that I really want to go, especially from kind of a culinary angle. That must have been yeah. incredible. Oh, it was magic. I think very those like Switzerland and Japan very much define. I think my sort of um, it was a very defining years for me. Yeah, definitely because you know you're so you know, open to everything. And, and Tokyo was, I mean, it's wild. And yeah. just an assault on the senses in a good way, but also very quiet and beautiful and elegant because you've got that beautiful history. Um, it's such a juxtaposition of the modern and the old at the same time. Um, and I think all of that, obviously, has affected my, my taste buds. And so when I was writing a cookbook, it was natural that it started in my mother's kitchen, but it had to, you know, evolve from there. And, and I had to bring in all the the food and the flavors of my travels and and that ultimately has sort of become me in a way mm-hmm. yeah and where do you get your inspiration from today like day to day when you're cooking because i know that you're always creating yeah yeah do you know i i think oh I, I go to pubs a lot. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and I love, I really love sort of classic old pub yeah. food. But then I also love the new sort of gastro pub mm-hmm. style. So I think it's just a mixture of what is in season and, yeah. and what strikes my fancy. But it's always comfort food, which I find that pub yeah. food is comfort food, which is also, again, my mum's kitchen. It's mm-hmm. comfort food. Has to be sort of, mm, you know. Um, and so... If it's a lot of tweezers involved to make it, I, I you're out. I'm a little okay. bit sort of like, oh, just give me a bowl of porridge. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, very comfort food. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's perfect for this kind of weather, isn't it? Really, dude. <laughs> So what's a bit of a kind of classic dinner at your house? Let's chat a bit about how you like to entertain. How do you, how do you like to entertain? Well, I, I hope, um, I mean, I like the more the merrier. Mm-hmm. I love that. And of course, planning is great, but I'm a little bit more of a spontaneous sort of 
oh, let's just all come for breakfast. I love that, by the way. Oh, nice. When people can come for breakfast come or brunch. Breakfast. Yeah. yeah, that's really lovely. Because it kind of makes it a little bit... Um, Less sort of formal, yeah. And so people, you know, almost show up in their pajamas, and you sit there with yeah. pancakes and or a traditional Norwegian breakfast. But um, of course, I love a good supper, mm-hmm. and uh, and I love sort of things that you can bake in the oven and just leave it, yeah. And then have pre-made other things. So Scandinavian cooking lends itself well to that. Yeah. I mean, a whole uh, baked salmon or like you know you got pickled vegetables Delish. or herrings or and lots of sort of fresh cold potato salads and um, with spring herbs if it's spring <laughs> herbs yeah. in general um, so yeah lots of things that are pickled um, mm-hmm. definitely make its way into um, whatever I serve do you I, do a lot of pickling yourself I used to do a lot of pickling the last sort of year we haven't we've been renovating so we haven't had the easiest kitchen to and work in it is in. a labour of love as well oh, isn't God, it yeah, like, yeah. it's a lot of patience yes. a lot of sterilising and it lo- is. you need lots of space to do it you do but it's sort of I think because I grew up with it and also fermenting you know kefir is something that I grew up with yeah. on, a, on a daily basis and homemade cheeses and so it sort of feels a little bit like second nature once you get okay. in the rhythm of things yeah. I think it feels a little bit less dawn but you're right in the if it's something new that you start it's like oh my goodness is that even sterilized and yeah yeah you, know, you, you, start, you start to get worried about everything yes as you well, do I think. yeah no I've definitely yeah. been there what about do's and don'ts when entertaining I mean I'm I'm like you I'm similar in that I like to have, have something in the oven that I can just kind of ignore and then have made stuff yeah before yeah. but is there anything that you would say don't don't do that don't overplan complicated dishes. <laughs> yeah, that's which true. I've done, and also don't a lot of things going on at the same time. This is completely sort of, um, you know, it, it's everyone knows this, but at the same time, sometimes I find myself um, doing it anyway, like thinking, yeah. oh, I can just, you know, put that the meringues in the oven while doing the porridge over there and the sour cream porridge. Back to that one. It takes a little. You have to be there. You have okay. to stir it all the time, and so that the, um, the flour doesn't go clumpy. Yes, yeah. and like it doesn't burn at the bottom, which you can't see at the top. Yeah, so it infuses everything with smokiness. Is great, but not in this porridge. Yeah, okay, okay. So yeah, and so every now and then, I I do all those don't things. Yeah, because you burn the milk. You yeah. can't. Yeah, no, exactly. never leave porridge unattended. No, and then you stress, and then when people come you're already sort of worked up and then you're not really dressed you forget your hair and all of a sudden it's like oh yeah so leave all that my one thing is just have a great great wine rack yeah that's true that's true just talks to the misery and be like this absolutely sucks yeah that's true (laughs) the food's awful but the wine's great and if the company's good you'll all have a laugh anyway you're so you're completely right (laughs) You also take really beautiful photos of food. And I know that you, t- you took all the photos in your cookbook, apart from the ones of you, of course, yeah. unless you're even more magic than I know. No, you know what? Some of uh, some of the ones of me was uh, by my assistant, Abby mm-hmm. um, Mele, who's a beautiful photographer from Australia. Uh, but most of them I actually took myself just because I, uh, it was only me in the cottage. Yeah. And so I, I tripod and then I just envision what would the model do? What would I have someone yeah. else do? And then I just go into that role and I count and to ten. <laughs> I put it on a timer and then I'm like one, two, three, four and then go. And then you smile and oh, just caught by the camera. <laughs> so it feels a bit silly because you're sort of surprised by your own camera, but you know, it, it works. Yeah. It really works. So, so did, did you teach yourself? I mean, where did you yeah. learn to kind of take such beautiful photos? Oh, thank you. Um, I think looking back my father gave me his um, old film camera you know when I was 15 and, and I, my passion didn't start then I just thought it was fun it was one mm-hmm. of those I feel like at the bottom of everything I'm just creative and so 
I remember playing around with it and having a good time shooting black and white photography and developing the images. And then I forgot about it for many, many years. And then at the last semester of my studies in America, when I studied um, Middle Eastern studies, Arabic and Hebrew, I took a class in photography just for fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I sort of thought, oh, this is actually really, really fun. And coinciding with me starting to cook, missing my mum, yeah. I started photographing that food just to sort of have a subject. Yeah. Because um, I think when you start, uh, you know, especially with photography, what do you take pictures of? Yeah, I you didn't, just, it's easy it's to like, use your own you know, surroundings. Signposts and, <laughs> you know, like it was just yeah. doves and everything. And so when I had that subject, I just, yeah, I sort of just clicked, but not instantly. It was sort of like little by little. I cooked a little bit more, yeah. photographed a little bit more. And then my professor at the time was... Um, was quite young so he was a working commercial photographer in the in the states and I learned a lot from him that I took with me um when I moved back to Norway and then I just thought let's go for it let's just do it I don't have time to assist but I'm just gonna every single day cook and photograph and repeat yeah so well, it, it clearly worked <laughs> and now you run your own workshops as well do, also yeah. on styling so, yes which yeah. is a huge part of taking good photos of you which i think a lot of us know that the styling yeah. styling is incredibly important so where do you do them i so anywhere that strikes my fancy so it has okay, to nice, be I like this <laughs> Well, it's sort of uh, started with, you know, it is an experience, isn't it? And mm-hmm. and anyone, you know, can sort of teach, I guess, something that they are passionate about. So in my case, photography and food, and you can do that in any setting. Mm-hmm. I always think about it needs to be an experience. It needs to take people, whisk them away a bit yeah. and immerse them in a place that they not maybe would have known about if it wasn't for your workshop. Yeah. So uh, we scout out really sort of wonderful and exciting places. We go to Mat- we, we used to go to Matera in sort of cave hotel there. Um, that's called Sextantia, which is beautiful. Um, and then we went up in Abruzzo and make, uh, you know, use of the region and the wine and the saffron. And mm. my partner... Um, and fiance uh, Theo Maxwell is a mixologist, so he does. Yes, the, you do it. You do it together. Don't yes, you? we it's do. Such a, it's, yeah. I mean, it's a dream duo, isn't it? It's really, it's really fun. I Food, mean, yeah, cocktails. <laughs> yes, it's quite fun when he does recipe testing. So, do you think this works, Mir? I'm like, mm, I might have another one. Let me, let me see. <laughs> no, so we do that, and we find hopefully we find places that yeah feel like quite an experience for people. And in that setting, we teach um, photography, styling, and and local food. So we will we will collaborate a lot with people in the area. That's really lovely. Um, and then of course, yeah, he does the drinks part. How many people come on the workshops normally? We try to keep them quite small so mm-hmm. we can really um, work on one-on-one with everyone. So it's between eight and, and 12. If okay, we're 12, so it's we not have... that small. I would no, say sort of yeah. six is small. Eight and 12, six, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's in England we do thing. six and be, and in abroad we do between eight and 12, okay. yeah. Lovely, and people can find their workshops kind of on your website and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. Yes, yes, again on my website. It's fun. Yeah. Can, I can imagine that there's a lot of pressure and a lot of, you know, it's a lot to organise, isn't it, as well? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have one coming up now um, this week, actually. So our Autumn Gather workshops, mm-hmm. so those are, so each year we run an Autumn Gather and a Spring Gather here in, in England, and uh, it's just between six and eight people. And, uh, and we had to change location last minute. I saw, but the yes. new location looks really beautiful, <gasps> yes. actually. So. Yeah, no, it's I'm a, sure no one will mind. I think it works out. But yeah, it's, so it is a lot of planning, especially when you have to sort of turn around quite quickly. And and um, yeah, but luckily I know the area quite well. So yeah. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. It'll be fun. I know that a lot, well, I, I think a lot of people shy away from entertaining for that kind of fear of making mistakes when yeah. truthfully we, we all make them. I've made so many. <laughs> um, but can, can you think of a time where you've kind of been entertaining or maybe even running a workshop where things have just just really gone wrong yep 
very freshly in my mind. It was quite recently, yeah. I did all of those things that was on the do not do list. Do not do, burn yeah. the porridge. Yeah, yeah, I did. And the meringues. And the salad. I, how can you mess up a salad, do you think? But no, I, I've, I, I've messed up a salad. Yeah, really? Yeah, too much oh, salt. I like, yeah. was panicking about under-seasoning, just threw basically a whole box of salt in there. <laughs> yeah, I did similar things, yeah. And it was just, uh, it was a workshop, actually. It was the, one of the last meals. It was supposed to be sort of the highlight mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of that day. <laughs> and I was so stressed. And um, I think because we were moving at the same time and we had deadlines on the renovation. So at night and in the morning, I would go and, and paint the walls and oil the floors. Wow. And then I'd get up at like between four and six and then we would sort of start packing. And at seven o'clock, I would pack the props because we were packing the move. And then at, four, at seven o'clock, I'd, in the morning, I'd pack sort of the props and then we'd go and carry it all to this location. Then I'd just pop up dewy eyed and fresh and bushy tailed and pretend I was Had really rested. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, so and on the last day, I think we were just both like completely out of juice. And so I burnt the porridge. I, I even burnt the meringues, which was so stupid. And the salad was awful. We had a, an amazing wine. Thank so God we were, for the wine. Yeah, I know, Always. right? We just had, So I literally, I just had to get up because I saw people sort of eating. And I thought maybe I can get away with it. But then nobody really, I just thought I have to put them out of their misery yeah, and just yeah. say, own it. So I was like, I'm so sorry. The food is absolute shit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but the wine is great and the company is fabulous. So we toasted that and never I'm had a good sure, time. Yeah, I'm sure they but, um it. But yeah, no, it was really quite sort of, you just have to own it, I think. If yeah, you I think you up, do. You just got to be like, have to own it. Don't and eat, also have good it. bread. Good bread and butter as well. Oh, you can go a long way with you that. Can. And a bit of olives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cheese, right? Yeah. You just raid the fridge, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you have any favorite recipes from your book or recipe? Yeah, I, well, yeah, I think. Um, Again, I, I my favorite recipes are probably my mom's recipes. Mm-hmm. So she contributed a lot with with sort of nostalgic recipes of my childhood, uh, and so. And then when I've said that, the first thing that comes to mind is actually not my mom's recipe. <laughs> Having started with saying that, it's um, a risotto, a risotto milanese. Oh, nice! Yeah. Really classic. Very classic, and with bone broth, um, bone marrow, yeah, and uh, and bone broth and. Yeah, really classic, old school Italian, uh, you know, and, and yeah, that's actually one of my favourites. It's so, that's so comforting. It's com- it also such it? a comforting dish, it I is, think. It is, yeah. And you just, I've never met anyone who doesn't enjoy that kind mm, of a good risotto. So good. A good risotto with a little bit of resistance and the right amount of sort of, um, yeah, stock and flavour. And, and this is obviously saffron based and yeah. is very subtle, but with the, the bone marrow and uh, oh, lots of parmesan. Yum. Yes. Yeah, lots That's of good. parmesan. Yeah. Delicious. Um, you talked recently about sharing vulnerability. Um, this is on your social media, yes, actually. It yeah. was a really it was a really great post. And you talked about how it's something we kind of tend not to do and perhaps we should try and do more yeah. of. But in your book, you're also kind of beautifully open. And I'm actually, I'm just going to read a very small <laughs> bit from your book, yeah. from The Cottage Kitchen, which you wrote. Yet... As life was adjusting, I still felt uneasy and uncertain about the future. On my weekly phone calls home, I spilled my heart out to my mother. Why don't things work out the way I'd hoped? I've followed my heart, haven't I? I could feel it in my toes that moving here was the right thing to do, but it wasn't all coming together the way that I'd envisioned. I clutched the phone as if it were a lifeline. I still felt alone and small in this big world. And which is such a beautiful and it's inc- it's incredibly vulnerable kind of extract of kind of, I guess, what it feels like to be 
human most of the yeah. time. Yeah. Do you think that the idea of showing our fragility and kind of the basic vulnerability of being human is, is kind of gaining more light and less judgment? Do you think it's something that we're kind of coming round to? Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, I think we are definitely becoming more open. I think we, we need to. Yeah. I think sort of we've almost celebrated this this perfect especially with the ideal media. yeah and and I think we didn't really realize the way it was going mm-hmm. because Instagram you know came we didn't know what it was then it became something and then we started uh, adding filters we started sort of oh, posing in ways and styling in ways and and telling stories in ways that uh, we could only highlight the good and and I don't feel the need to necessarily photograph the dishes or the laundry pile because to me they're not inspirational or, or, or aspirational. So what I, I, I love that about social media. But I do think that maybe opening up and being a little bit more, like you said, human, I think that's good because it, I think it allows us all to feel like we're, we're all a part of something. Mm. And if we share and open up, we may just help each other um, get to the points we want to and, and reach for the stars and, and create the dreams and the lives that we would like to because we feel supported and we feel like it's not only me. And and if we are tired, we know that everyone is. And mm-hmm. if we have made mistakes and feel like, oh, my gosh, I can't you know, do this now because I've done that. Well, everyone has made mistakes and they're yeah. actually just a part of life. And yeah. feeling lonely as well was definitely something that, oh, I can smile and laugh now. But thinking back, I remember like calling my mum once and, and uh, and she's like, are you are you okay? And I was like, I I don't know. I think I'm, am I losing it? <laughs> she's, like, she's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I I don't know. And I just sort of explained how I felt. And she's like, have you spoken to anyone recently? I'm like, no, not really for three days. And she's yeah. like, well, get out of the house. Yeah, yeah. And so that's when I sort of joined the local choir because when you move a place to a place and you don't know anyone, like not a single soul, it's a very large step from. Um, saying hello to someone on the street like you know the local florist yeah. to be invited in for tea mm-hmm. and so this took almost a year to sort of by just sort of hellos and buying some flowers and buying some antiques and getting to know people to actually be able to sit down with another human being yeah, and have a conversation tea, yeah. and so you know she encouraged getting out and uh, I started playing ukulele with a bunch of 70 year olds and I joined the local choir with also women over 80 so great I love this <laughs> it was fabulous it was fabulous but it just gets you out of the house and mm. I think um, yeah I also think all um, you know older people often have the best stories like, oh god yeah you know, an attitude help. I love yeah. their attitude a little bit they of don't, they don't care anymore yeah, yeah. like oh I'm 80 I can that's, do whatever I want that's so true and you're yeah. also a mother um, yes. Yeah. How old? Is, how old is your little one? <gasps> She's nineteen months. Wow. I mean, yeah. really, baby, baby. Yeah, yeah. But it, you know, it's such a big change the last six months because they go from sort of being completely, you know, infant, you, infant, and, and the necks are wobbly, and you just God, how do I keep this person healthy and alive? And then they start crawling, and you know, you sort of spot their personality, and and all of a sudden, like from fifteen months to nineteen months. That, now it's a little girl. She walks around. She has opinions. She says no. She'll shake her head. She'll point. Yeah, she'll a little you know, person. Yeah, yeah, and start sort of words and yeah. So it's a very exciting time. I'm constantly kind of humbled and amazed by women who manage to be mothers. Ooh. Period. But additionally, by women yeah. who manage to be mothers and then kind of manage all these other things that I feel like I'm struggling to juggle all the time. <laughs> was it? Was it? Was it difficult? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was difficult. I think, yeah, I think, I mean, it's, 
I feel so honored to be Emma's mom. I mean, yeah. it's just the most wonderful experience, exhausting and hard and challenging, but mostly just now when you come out on the other side, incredibly wonderful. But mm. trying to then keep you, if you have a passion and if you work, and, and I loved my life before Emma, so... I still love life after Emma. But of course, that, that changes things because yeah, she's different. always on my mind. And uh, Jamie Beck, who's an incredible photographer from New York, and they just re- uh, relocated to France, well, about three years ago. And she also just became a mother. And she wrote this little post the other day that just totally explained it to me. Not necessarily time-wise, but as a creative, when you have a child, they're always on your mind. So now I can't, I'm never really free so mentally. Yeah. You know, and your, your focus is a little bit off. Your Everything is a little bit off because she's always there in my mind, whether she's next to me or not. And so creating after Emma and trying to find your voice again, because it changes a bit. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, even I have the same dreams and desires, but it changes. And trying to find that balance of keeping you and becoming a mom and, and also allowing to be a mother and be yeah. with her as much of the time as possible. It's definitely a challenge, but I'm lucky. I have a secret weapon, and that's my uh, fiance Theo. <laughs> so him and yeah, without him, sort of being there and and absolutely supporting every step of the way, um, has made all the difference for me because it allows me that time to still work and um, yeah, do things a, I love. It's a special time as well. It do you is. think it's changed the way that you cook as well? Because when you're cooking, when you've got a little one, yeah. or not quite yet, because no. you're sort of on separate things. But Yeah, no, actually, do you know what? That's one of the things we started doing quite early because I, we had no clue <laughs> what to do. So we just thought... I'll just cook and she'll eat, right? Yeah. I think it's the best way with children, though. Rather than giving them mushy apple until they're kind of five years old, I think get them on it. I think so. So she has a very way to eat, loves feta cheese and marinated olives and uh, kefir. But, you know, there's things she doesn't like. But, yeah, we mainly just cook. Okay. Um, And then she eats whatever we cook Mm -hmm. and she chooses what she enjoys from it and not. But I think it's maybe made me a little bit more wary on the salt and butter. Yeah, maybe. And spices, I think, sometimes. A little bit, yeah. It's a little more delicate baby palette. Exactly. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And there's one other key figure um, yeah. in your very storybook life I want to talk about, Mr. Whiskey. Oh, God, who, yes. I know who Mr. Whiskey is, but can you, can you tell everyone else yeah. where you found your beautiful dog and, and also how you managed to get him to pose so well? Oh, he's a poser. Yeah, he, he really is. is. Uh-huh. He's brilliant. Oh, yeah, he knows. I, I think, yeah, he knows it. No, Mr. Whiskey is sort of my four-legged furry Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. He really is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he came not running across the field one dewy morning, but I found him online as we do in 2019 Um, and I just knew I wanted a dog I grew up with dogs but my life just hadn't been uh, lent itself well to having a dog uh, traveling too much and then I just thought oh I want to change my life so if I get a dog I have to change it Um, because again it was just me in the in the cottage so uh, I looked for a dog online on a rescue site and um, very, very luckily, there was Mr. Whiskey, all white, and he's an English pointer, sort of um, looking quite forlorn and a little bit sad. So I just sort of felt, oh, buddy, we need to hook up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I met him, and he came and sniffed my ear, and I took that as a good sign that maybe we were onto something. And I brought him home, and he was an absolute nightmare <laughs> for a year and a half. Oh, because he'd been had a troubled start, so yeah. he's quite aggressive. Didn't listen to me, and he was not the kind of Mister Whiskey that I think we sort of see now on Instagram. Um, but we spent a lot of time, literally, just talking and getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say talking, it sounds a bit silly because obviously he's a dog. But we, I would just sit and talk to him about all these things I didn't understand about him like I don't know why <laughs> you nip everyone that you yeah. pass and and then I also because my mom told me to tell him how much I loved him I started doing that and who knows with the training telling him I loved him and talking to him and over time he has become literally my best friend the insta yeah. dog as well yeah. and he's so calm and he's got the aggressiveness is gone and he's just incredibly fun full of energy I mean and he's a little bit of a rascal you know yeah, what I mean which is but great yeah, you've got to have he that makes me, he make, really makes me want to get a dog <laughs> and what about what about people who kind of inspire you Perhaps, like maybe particularly women are there, oh, are there yeah. many chefs or photographers or writers or I'm trying to think about stylists who kind of inspire you and kind of the your, your um yeah, I mean, there's so many women that um, I sort of have on a, on a list in my bedroom that I just look at their names and think, oh, God, you inspire me. And and, uh, and it's usually because of their ability to listen to their inner voice, their ability to stand tall when it's a bit windy, and seemingly the ability to sort of um, trust mm. just the voice that they have, no matter if everyone likes it or if they don't, they just sort of do their course and... Uh, um, yeah, and so Carolina Herrera, I love her mm-hmm. as a designer, but I and I love her creative view. But I also I really admire her as a woman, and um, Diane von Furstenberg as well. Yeah, she's incredible. Actually, oh, just love her. Yeah, can we invite her for supper? Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. definitely invite right, her. Good. She's amazing. <laughs> and uh, and the same with my, my mom as well, and um, and Jamie Beck I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. who's a photographer from an American photographer in France. Um, yeah, I love because being she's quite represented on Instagram, and I a lot of times hear. A lot of comments because she started she changed a lot she was shooting very sort of new york i would say new york style fashion photography um beautiful 
And then it changed incredibly when she moved to France before the baby and it was very sensual and mm-hmm. very focused on self-portraits and styling in a very, very different way. And I loved that she just allowed that change to happen and it didn't seem um, too affected by what's trendy now, what do people do on Instagram? What does photographer, What if I've met a ph- photographer want success, what do I photograph or... You know, what is acceptable to share? And is it too much if I only photograph myself instead of using another model? Like, it seemed to me that she just sort of planted her flag and like, this is my voice and I'm going to just work on developing that more and more. That inspires me. Yeah. So a little bit badass women. Yeah, Yeah. she sounds incredible. (laughs) They're all incredible women. Yeah. So we're coming to the end now. Um, and before I ask you which three people you would like to have at your table, I want to ask. <laughs> I want to ask what three ingredients do you advise to always have in the kitchen to kind of throw together a quick dinner party dish? Anchovies. Mm-hmm. Anchovies is a yeah. popular one. It's good, right? Mm-hmm. I, you just, I, and sometimes you just take a salty. I mean, you can just eat it. Yeah. Like just straight out of the jar is very salty. But being Scandinavian, I'd love, mm-hmm. love salt. Um, yeah, I, I have to have that. That's definitely it. Um, do I have any obscure dishes, uh, things in the pantry that I always keep now? I'm trying to rake my mind because I should have thought about this, Alexandra. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that question was coming. Um, and well, I always keep Parmesan because mm-hmm. I sprinkle that like it's gold dust. Good Parmesan goes yeah. a long way. Yeah. And I nibble on it. You know, like four o'clock in the morning, come home and you just bite a chunk which frustrates Theo out of his mind he's like there's teeth marks in my parmesan (laughs) and of course Emma does the same now she'll go in the fridge (laughs) grab a chunk love it their little teeth so yeah parmesan anchovies um and and eggs I think eggs are just they're not necessarily you can whip out desserts you can they make everything better you know it's pancakes um meringues meringues is such a great thing when you um have friends over and you don't know what to make dessert and you haven't had time to make a cake you just whip them in and then you have a pavlova or an eaten mess or so eggs eggs are just brilliant very staple very very staple yeah Eggs, anchovies, parmesan. Yeah. Good, good, good list. I like it. And what about your Classic. three ultimate dinner party guests? Oh, you know, it's so hard to narrow it down to three. But I know I'm going to start with one. It's my mother, but not as I know her now. Okay. I just, Ooh, nice. yeah, I want her sort of, I want her, I want her to come to my um, dinner party when she was sort of 19. That's so nice. I just saw um, a video my father had filmed during the the wedding when she was 19 and married my father who was 24 and it was without sound and on their honeymoon they'd been filming as well and of course mom had knitted two jumpers totally Norwegian jumpers and they were that was probably you know that's what they had and she was sitting there with this Grace Kelly scarf and the jumper and I just thought who are you I don't know you the person that you were then I would love to have asked her for a cup of tea and better yet supper right so fantastic so I would and she just giggled and post for the camera and I'm like I don't I, I don't know that one yeah <laughs> so I would love uh, to invite her home for supper uh, she would probably be the youngest guest for mm-hmm. sure and then um, I I need to meet Diane von Furstenberg yeah. so she's alive oh was it dead no they could be alive right yeah. could be anyone yeah yeah, yeah alive good. dead Almost anything <laughs> good so there we are my mother and uh, Diane and the third one I would like to be my great um, great grandmother. Nice. It's I, I'm named after her, 
and she was incredibly feisty and fun and lived on a small cheese farm in the mountains in Norway. Um, her name was Marta Maria, obviously, and uh, and I just she yeah. She was. She kept saying no to suitors, and she lived up in the mountains there by herself. And I think she was wow. pretty, pretty strong. But I want to know her thoughts. I want to know who she was. So yeah, I think this would be a really eclectic mix. I'm not sure if I've balanced nice. it out. Strong, strong women. All strong, strong women. women from the yeah, of it. yeah. That's probably what we'll gather on. But we need great booze for a night yeah, like and would that. Yeah. Would you cook porridge? I was going to ask. What mm, would you cook? No, I think I'd do something more elaborate. I okay. think I would need like three courses because we okay. have. We would. We would need something to talk about. <laughs> because my grandmother and my mother and then Deanne, like, we would need something good to indulge in. some great in. cocktails and wine. Great cocktails. I need Theo there to back me up um, <laughs> with uh, cocktails both pre and after dinner. Brilliant. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like a wonderful table. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming into the studio today. It was fantastic. Oh, and for you. anybody who doesn't follow you already, where yeah. can they find you kind of online and offline? So I, I live mostly on Instagram. So mm-hmm. that's uh, Marta underscore Marie underscore Forsberg. It's the longest name in the world. Um, and of course, on my uh, blog and website, um, mmforsberg.com, that's where they can get sort of uh, my my daily recipes. Not and daily. workshops as well. And workshops, workshops as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, so that's where I live. Perfect. Thank, thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you liked it, rate it, review it, talk about it, share it, and invite your friends around for supper. This has been a Studio 71 production. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.